We're going to talk about food for a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, this beer. This is another one from the uh, the vault, if you will. Uh, friend of the podcast, Mr. Bobby Pond, who we will uh, tag in our social media quest, uh, brought this back for me from Seattle. Uh, this is from the Pike Brewing Company. There's a little part in uh, Seattle called the Pike Place Market. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. It's where they throw fish there. They do. There's a, also a Rachel the Pig. It's the big brass pig in front of the where they throw the fish. There's a big pig that people sit on. Like that. Her name is yeah, Rachel. I, oh, I didn't know that. Right. I thought it was just a pig. So anyways. Uh, I saw, <laughs> this is a complete aside that you will probably edit out, but I... I would hope so. Let me, let me bookmark it right now. Quick. Uh, you know, I own three businesses. You know, it's a small town. Right. You know. It's not that I'm a big deal, but I see almost everybody in Windsor come through the restaurants at some point. Of course. So I've met a lot of people. That's what I'm getting at, right? Okay. No, I see people in the store. I get stopped. People, hey, Brad, how are you? I got to pretend like I know who they are. You know what I get? You know what I've been stopped more for in the last week? Me talking about diarrhea on the on the internets for 29 seconds in a Facebook Live video. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, dude! I saw your video last week. It was freaking hilarious. I'm like, we met. Like yeah. no, no. I run the MD liquor down the street. It was last night at this freaking thing. I was at. I was like, "Hey man, I just want you." I saw that fucking video. It was hilarious. I'm like, "Thanks." I'm like, "I'm Brad." They're like, "Oh, I'm so and so." Do you remember the time we did Facebook Live in the garage, and you were like, "You either rub your nipple or did something." No, I threw the I threw the garbage. I was I had the my beer can. I finished it. No, you did something like well, you did on. something so, else. Yeah, so I threw the I threw the can. And I missed. It. I was like this. I just lifted up like this. Right. I just showed it to the camera. Yeah. From that point on, like the mo- like all of a sudden that had the most post engagement. So maybe we're missing a key demographic. People love me, my nipples, and my diarrhea talk. My boo boo, <laughs> my boo boo talk. So instead of sports meats beer, it's sports diarrhea beer. Sh- sports sheets beer. <laughs> shites. <laughs> sports shites. This is how we shite shites beer today. Beer. I also like the quick shout out to the uh, Microsoft Windows. Uh, when we were going to start recording our podcast over an hour ago, my wind, my computer decided to do an update, and we're still at seventy five percent. Sitting across the table from me, Brad, if you take a peek over there and you yeah, witness yeah. it. Yeah, it's good, good stuff. See that it's gone through multiple updates. Though. Right. Every time I look over, and I'm like, oh, look at that, Lenovo. Like you can't afford a Dell, so you bought a Lenovo, and that's what it looks like every time, and it restarts and. And updates again. Yeah. So we've got a beer in front of us. Uh, Pike's Pike Monk's Uncle. Say that three times fast. Uh, this is their triple ale. If you're not familiar with a triple ale, it's uh, traditionally a Belgian style of beer. So it's going to use Belgian yeast. Uh, if you haven't had a Belgian before, the Belgian yeast usually has a little bit of funk to it. Right, this is something that's um, it's used with the the Brett in beers, uh, the lactobacillus in beers. Um, it gives it a slight sour uh, component to it. So if you're when people say, "Do you like Belgian beers?" they're basically asking if you like funky beers, beers yes. that are off-putting a little bit. These are traditionally malt forward, not hop forward. That's what triples are. the The name triple comes from essentially from using three times the amount of malt in this process. Uh, which is obviously the malt ingredients you put in is going to therefore affect the wort. The wort is when it after it's brewed and you put in your yeast. So now you're putting in Belgian yeast, and it reacts differently. And it also you know it ferments fermentable sugars into alcohol, therefore making the beer. Um, so this is a the you know the monks are known for having the oldest style of beers. 
uh, this is essentially an homage to their way. They uh, they make amazing beers. Um, some are, are stronger than others as far as alcohol and flavor and things like that, but the triples are generally pretty out there. This is this would be considered like, to me, the equivalent to this is a double or triple IPA, not to be too, too stupid with it, but essentially like, you know, you're getting bold big flavors out of it. Is that a fair assumption there, Brad? Yeah, I think so. Um Man, it's got a good. It's got a good banana nose to it. I can tell right now. Yes, that is like you know immediately when you put your nose into this that you're drinking a Belgian, right? And I, I don't, you know, I, I've said on this show before that I, I'm not, I'm not a like I'm not into the funk very often. But something about like the last few that I've had, including this one, something about how bright they are, uh, the finish, like the, there's not an, an incredibly long lingering funk in the finish of this. No, no, no. This does not feel too it's, rich. It feel like the, usually the finish is is super malty. So you get that malt backbone, and then that's the thing: is the, the malt flavors are come on strong, but they also finish very strong. And I think that's that's why uh, you know the the Trappist monks and the Belgian monks are are, are so well known for uh, their beers, is because they have they impart such strong flavors, but they're able to they don't they don't trans they, they don't trans over trans over they don't carry over into trans over. I think that's a new gender. It is. Uh, it's the ones that focus in raw water. Right. Um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't translate necessarily to um, a, a, like a. If you have an overly hoppy beer, right, the oils are gonna. You know, the lupulin part of the leaf is going to sit on your palate for a while, and you're gonna taste it whether you like it or not. And you can yeah. use food to cut it out. You can use other things. Uh, the point is, is that this this beer is it. It you know the strong flavor it brings. It does end quickly. So for those of you that that maybe maybe like the the finish, their beginning. You like the end, but not the middle. Um, understand, like those are all short voyages in this beer. I drink this, or I taste this beer, and I think that um, I think like unctuous barbecue, something that's kind of rich. It's got a bright nose to it. It's something that'll kind of cut through, especially if there's some heat to it. Um, the fact that the finish does not linger very long means that this is something you're going to drink a lot of while you're eating. It's a really nice, like I wouldn't necessarily call this like a beer that you would do a lot of pairing with. Like a small bite, be like super smalling. tough. It'd be it, I mean, to me. It's some of those things where, because of that Belgian yeast strain, it's really like it would have to be something almost overly sweet. Like anything with like a key maple ingredient would be awesome. Um, like a candied bacon would be great with this. See, well, I are uh, like at the barbecue restaurant. We there's a lot of brown sugar in our rib rub, right? And, but there's also a lot of like chili powder and and uh, some coriander and things like that. Some stuff that you could play off of here. Oh, the I mean, coriander for sure would tie in. Yeah, well. so so there are places where this t- this matches up, and the ribs can be rich. Um, and I think that the beer is rich enough. The finish I think is clean enough. It doesn't linger very long. The finish is clean enough. It makes you ready to go in for the next bite or the next sip, which is why I think you know as opposed to like some of these Belgians that we trace. Or that we've done, or that we get brought through the restaurant, they just don't work for us food wise sometimes. Right. Um, but this one I think could. This one I think could. I, it's delicate it's for sure. It's um, good. If we roll through uh, some of our tasting notes, like this is uh, to me, this is like this is great water cooler talk. This is uh, if you're bringing beer to or trying beer in a place maybe you've never been to before. These are the five key things to look for in a beer. It gives you talking points, and the best part is, is that no matter what you say, you're not wrong because it's your opinion, not anyone else's. Um, I'm speaking to the AATMF, um, and maybe you've heard this when we do our weekly radio appearance on 97.7 The River, or we do our Beer 30 segment with Mr. Danny Wright. Hopefully, we'll get a we'll someday link those to our website, but we've got a bunch of those where we talk about the AATMF specifically. What that stands for is appearance, aroma, taste, mouthfeel, finish. Uh, if you go through this beer, 
Um, this is a really, you know, this is also would be considered like a, a Belgian strong or a, Bel- a Belgian golden beer because it's so light in color. This is like, it literally looks like liquid gold in the glass. Unbelievable. Um, I was hoping to get a little more um, density in the head. I mean, we're pouring this in the glasses. Granted, they're chilled glasses. I know, I'm sorry, these were uh, room temperature glasses. Room temperature glasses, yeah. Um, I thought the head would stay a little longer. Normally, you have a little more malt, things like that, and traditionally they have a really thick and dense creamy head, much like like mm-hmm. a Guinness or something like that, where mm-hmm. you've got this really, really uh, pancake-style head on the beer of, of the CO2 like a pillow. And it's just not holding it up, like which is kind of weird. Uh, but anyway, um, it's supposed to have like a nice, nice dense head in this one. Um, you know the aroma. Like I said, I get, I get, I get full banana and coriander, like you Super mentioned. Super bright banana, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, this is like it's like a loaf of banana bag bread. It's so it's so uh, prevalent. Um, and um, yeah, I mean it's. It's a good beer. I mean, taste taste wise, we've kind of gone through that. I mean, it's you get really this uh, this good Belgian funk. You get that um, another good Belgian uh, uh, Belgian style beer that's more from a craft brew perspective, and it's one of my favorites. Is from Green Flash Lafrique mm-hmm. is a great one that that really exhibits some of those Belgian flavors, but in a, a little bit more of an American style craft beer. Yeah, uh, this is traditional to style, really malty. There's really no hops whatsoever prevalent. No. Like you're not you're not tasting no. any hops in this. Um, and then, yeah, the mouthfeel, um, you know, it's got good, decent carbonation, although, you know, even though I, I commented on the, the head earlier, it, it, it tastes well, right? Yes. It, it's, it's, you carbonation know, you, level is good. you don't want to have it, you know, this is one of those things where you don't want to have it too low, right? Cause you're going to taste, taste like flat beer. You don't want to have it too high because then all of a sudden you can't make room for food. It becomes bitter. Yeah. This okay. is, this is perfect. And the finish, it does finish swiftly. Um, it's not... Not terribly complicated. This is a really, really solid beer. I give it a thumbs up. I mean, I think I think this mm-hmm. beer is awesome. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have a monkey drinking the beer on the bottle. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they took the monks part a little out of context, but whatever. The monks uncle. Whatever. Monks uncle. Yeah. Well done. I think it's good. I like it. I like it. The lingering spice is one of my favorite things, and sort of like from the n- way it stays from the nose all the way to the finish. And I will give their website a shout out because. It's pikesbrewing.com. What? what? I'm going to do it. Uh, the nice thing is is that because one of the things we found with some of these beers that our friend of the show brought back is that there's some beers that were available, and then they're just not on their website. Either the beer is out of season or whatever the case may be. This has on their tab. It's beers that are on tap of their pub today, and then it's our complete lineup, and they go from there. Mm. So it's one of those things where maybe you've, it's a beer you had – you heard about it two years ago, and you want to try it again. Oh, it's not available because they stopped making it in August of, you know, twenty sixteen. I that's that's a nice that's that's attention to detail. It's pretty nice. That is well done. Yes. All right. So uh, while we're finishing this uh, this pint, all right. Beer, yes. Uh, I believe you had something to bring up about. Uh, well, you had a question you wanted to ask me. Well, here's the thing. Uh. The way my lifestyle works, my family, we, we make a, you know, my wife makes a lovely big dinner on Sundays. We make it for the week, mm-hmm. for the kids, for myself. You know, usually we'll throw in a, a corn dog in, beto- in between, but the point is that the kids Was that get, in between bites or in between meals? Either one. <laughs> um, the point is, is like, I always feel bad about reheating pork, especially in this case where you're talking about, uh, you know, a uh, pork tenderloin. Okay. Right? Every time I heat it up, you know, whether I throw it in the microwave covered or in a pan or whatever the case may be, I would feel like I overcook it. 
Okay. Right? It's been pulled out to perfection, and now it's in the fridge, and it's, it's got a good color. It's got all those things. I don't overdo it. What? How do I reheat that the right way? Uh, so you've got a couple of options. Um, you're, you know, you're taking it basically from, hey, all right. Our computer, the, the, the main computer, the mainframe is updated. We're good. Um, you are. I just you. Uh, you got a couple different ways to go about it. I, one thing I would not do is microwave it. Um, basically what ends up happening is the microwave, uh, acts in such a way that it like basically speeds up the water and excites the water molecules inside, um, the meat, you know, the, any, any meat that you're eating is muscle and fat, right? Right. So the way the microwave works is it basically excites all the water molecules inside the muscle fibers and it basically steams it from the inside out. That's how that works. That's why you can get like, you know, that's why you can get, uh, like if you do like a hot pocket, you can get like a, a thing, something that's frozen on the inside, but it's like just raging hot on the outside because it took, you know, but you can also get like parts that are like hot on the inside, then cold. And then the hot, the hot sort of pocket part or the, the pastry crust, because it doesn't, there's not as much water in um, the pastry crust for per se. So it gets hotter a lot faster. Um, I'm a little weirded out by using plastics in the microwave. Right. I don't know. I like I don't know that it's necessarily bad for you. There's not a lot of like indisputable proof. Um they're the microwaves themselves. It's essentially it's radiation, right? That's how that how that works. Um and the plastic can get into the food. Tupperware and some of that stuff is is fine. It's if you have plastic wrap and you certainly don't want to be using aluminum foil. That's obviously that doesn't work. Um plus uh any kind of sauces you're using can get really runny. Um it's uh, it's just it's hard to be really precise. Um, you could, um, like with pork tenderloin, if you wanted to do it on the grill, um, you could get your grill up to like 200, 250 as far degrees. As reheating? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 200, 250 degrees um, indirect. So like your burner, your grill has, I think, four burners, right? Right. So you could get like one or two of those burners going, just get the temperature inside to about 225, 250 degrees. Um, wrap the whole thing in foil. And then get it so that it comes up to temp 155 internal, like your pork loin, for example. Right. You do it till it comes to 155. Um, and then uh, take it. So what? I, so here's how I would do it. I would wrap it in aluminum foil, put it on the bur- or put it on the barbecue. Thank bar- God you said barbecue because if I wrap it in foil and put it in the microwave, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, no. There's going to be an explosion of something, rage or fire. We don't know which. <laughs> um, so wrap it in aluminum foil, put it in the barbecue. Barbecue's at 250 degrees. Uh, let it go till the inside of that pork loin gets to 155. Uh, take it out of the aluminum foil and then brush it with a little bit of oil or sauce or butter um, for five to ten minutes until the whatever it is that you're cooking on the outside starts to brown back up a little bit. That's a really easy way to do it. Um, say, and you basically you can do the same thing in the oven. Um, you know, you're going to wrap it. The key is is you want to make sure that there is. Um, you're you are having additional moisture of available to the tenderloin as you're cooking it okay. because when you cook it the first time uh, you've evaporated a lot of the water and moisture that's inside of it that's what creates the texture of it it's what creates the maillard reaction all the all the the crusting up on the outside of it is as the you know obviously as the protein starts to caramelize a lot of the water starts to disappear and it dries out and it crusts up that's what happens um, what's going to continue to happen is that you're just going to cook the outside of it further if you don't basically add um, 
you know, if you don't basically add some liquid to the outside. So if, if you're going to do it straight in the oven, you can wrap it in aluminum foil just like that, or you can do it in like a like a Pyrex container or um, like a uh, like a not a cookie sheet, but like a nine by thirteen or like a, a two inch aluminum pan. Whatever you decide, you're going to do it. Um, you're going to cover it, but you're going to add uh, water or beer or sauce or apple juice or broth or whatever is available to you. Water's perfectly acceptable. Um, and it's the same thing. Heat the oven to about 225, 250, um, and, uh, bring it up with your thermometer, bring it up till it hits about 155. Take it out of that, brush it with whatever sauce you want, whatever butter or oil or anything like that, and then just let it go five or 10 minutes. It needs to hit 160 for any bacteria that exists in there to die. It's okay. instant kill. So you want to get it to 160. It's going to overcook a little bit. That's just the nature of it, unfortunately. Um, you know, that's why it's always so hard with like pork tenderloin and things like that. Um, if you're going to eat them as pork tenderloin, Again, if you're going to slice it and do it on a sandwich, it's tough um, to get it exactly the same way. So that's why you got to get a little bit creative. But just make sure that you have ample moisture and ample water available um, so that the water that like as the water inside this thing starts to evaporate, it's not losing it completely. There's all kinds of additional moisture there um, to keep it from drying out completely. Um, or you can do you can buy into my you know, my hipster witchcraft that I have readily <laughs> apologized for um, you vacuum, it's funny. vacuum seal your your pork tenderloin using the same example and put it in that water at you know 140 degrees for you know i think it's 20 minutes per inch of thickness assuming that it's not um frozen you know and within 40 minutes you'll have that thing ready to go and it will not have overcooked and you will basically have pasteurized it long enough it's that's how we do it at the house now it's great the it's funny the you know the more i Obviously, I'm not I'm not the cook in the house, but um, this this sous vide thing is like I was like ah whatever like that's a you know kind of an eccentric thing right, and the more and more I see like yeah I heard you talk about it and I've, I've watched videos like that I'm like it seems like it makes so much sense, and it's it's unbelievable like I you know I'm not you know listen I my wife burns everything. She's gotten much, much better. But there was a time Including when... Including your loins? When, well, obviously. Mi corazón. Uh, there was a time when, like... like, I mean, you knew. You brought the kids over for daycare. Something was always... Oh, something always smelled carboned. Carboned. We use this emergency circulator three times a week. I barbecue at the house, but we, like... You know, you know, once or twice a week, but we use that thing all the time. She's doing chicken and pork belly and all kinds of stuff now because you, you can't you can't burn it you can't overcook it it's great right well it's also a kind of a, a little bit of a, the the luxury of like set forget kind of thing like you don't have to necessarily watch it turn it flip it right because it's not gonna yeah it's not it's your it's constant temperature and it's right. perfectly regulated it's great um the key the other key is low and slow is better of course so we have a finite amount of cooking space at, the, at kin smoke um, we have a big barbecue. It's four feet by nine feet by 10 feet. It's enormous. Um, but we have a finite of cooking space. There are times when we have to send out, you know, 500 pounds of barbecue, but I have to cook my like 800 pounds for the day. So I don't have the ability to get all of it done and ready to go. So we have to cook some of the stuff that goes out the day before. And what we do to get it hot and ready to go is that stuff gets wrapped super tight with plastic wrap and then, or with butcher paper and then plastic wrap. And it, cu- uh, and it cools all the way down, and then the day of the event, it goes, we take the plastic wrap out of it, we leave it in the butcher paper, and we bring it up at 225 degrees in the warming oven, 
and just nice and slow until it hits 200 degrees and it's ready to go. Um, there are actually, if you do enough research, there are actually some barbecued barbecue teams that will cook their barbecue briskets at 300. The barbecue will be set to 300 degrees, which is insanely high. They'll take their briskets, cook them at 300 degrees until they hit uh, 160, wrap them super tight in plastic wrap and aluminum foil, and then dunk them in ice baths, chill them all the way down. Yeah. Then bring them back up in the pit the next day, wrapped until they get to 200. And then that's how they use them for the competition. So as long as you're low and slow and you're not burning the outside, uh, you know, just keep that kind of thing in mind, right? You're trying to get that stuff to come up to temp. Uh, at a fairly fairly well, yeah, slow that's, I think that's pace. The, the key thing is is understanding that like giving it up to temp at a you know instead of a microwave pace you know you want to do it slow get it up there and, and make you know make sure you preserve the integrity of the meat and from a from like a leftover barbecue type situation if you're doing like pork butts like pork shoulder or things like that like you know or even pulled chicken or whatnot I mean, if you're not going to eat it within a couple of days um, or if you're gonna freeze it just or if you're constantly doing that kind of stuff, get yourself a vacuum sealer. It's like the, one of the better investments you'll ever make. You'll save a lot of food. It works out, you know, your your lifespan of food that you put in the freezer that you've been able to vacuum seal is much, much better. Um, just put it with, you know, a quarter, a quarter cup of sauce, mix it all up and put it in there and freeze it. And then it'll stay nice and moist when you go to reheat it the next nice. time. Moist. Yeah. Best word ever. Yeah. All right. Well, next up for beer uh, is a, uh, a beer brought from Aliash. Have you heard Allagash. of Allagash Brewing Company? Um, Portland, Maine. Uh, East Coast Brewery. Uh, they're basically, you know, if you've had an Allagash, um, you should go to the doctor immediately. Uh, a fun joke there. <laughs> it's a beer joke. Uh, but this beer is, it's usually Allagash White, right, which is a, it's considered a Belgian wit. Um, this is a, a non-corporate Blue Moon, if you mm. want to go that way out. Yep. Um, really good it's really flavorful it's one of those things that uh, this is a great company it's just we just don't get a lot of it out here on the on the west coast uh this beer in front of us is the allagash hoppy table beer um so known as a toffle beer correct a toffle beer so a table beer essentially translates uh to toffle beer or to um it's the spelling is even different when it goes to Germany or France, but essentially it's a table beer. Um, the, 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 the point of this is that you're going to have a beer that's going to be like 1% to 4%, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. A 1% beer obviously doesn't do much for you, but the idea is that you're going to consume. That's, 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 uh, this is essentially like a water for them. It's right? live water. <laughs> this is better than live water. It's got alcohol in it. I can get behind the raw, the raw water movement if it had a little bit of booze in it. not going to lie. <laughs> uh, but Allagash does a great job in, in recreating this. This uh, it's a classic style of beer. You know, they're they're a Belgian brewing company. They that's what they do. Um, they want to make the best one, the best Belgians out there. Uh, and this is a really good attempt. I'm not gonna lie. This is I was uh, a little leery at first. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to my man Zeke, former uh, rep. When I met him, he worked for New Belgian Brewing Company, but he uh, stumbled into your one of your uh, operations, and drop this off and actually is a listener of the podcast. So here's a true test. Zeke, when you hear this, call me or text me. Nice. That's a test. Nice. Friendship test right there. Uh, but the, uh, the yeah, Allagash does a great job. He's, you're, pro- you're probably going to like the fact that I pointed out. I was like, ah, that's funny. Ben's never mentioned you, and he got all upset, so he's probably not listening anymore. <laughs> Clearly. Um, 
This this yeah this beer so the first problem I have with it. Okay. I don't like the label. Uh, labels garbage to me. Okay. Why? But why is it? Garbage? Uh, it's just because it, it's, it's very one noted. I mean, I just it's one of those things where it, it, to me, like if you look at this on the shelf, um, I guess the other Allagash labels it are looks very much like all the other Allagash labels. Right. The name though does have clout, so I guess you you make up for what you don't have in the color and creativity of a label. You do have it in the name, so that's good. Um, it doesn't deliver on the hoppy part. I think it's a great beer. If you just told me Allagash mm. table beer, mm. I'd be fine. I don't get the hoppiness out of it. This is a 4.8% beer, which is a little bit higher than, than traditional table beers. But the coloring, that, so as we mentioned earlier, the AATMF, this is a really hazy. This is a, so like you look at a Belgian wit style, right? So essentially a Belgian wheat beer. Mm-hmm. You get a real a nice a cloudy um, it's still translucent. It's still uh, bright in color, but you just don't get have the same clarity as you would as like an American filtered IPA. So this is really, really, really uh, hazy and, and cloudy. Um, really nice bright white uh, head on it. I mean, out of the nose, you do get very, very light flavors. I mean, you get light malt. You get light coriander. The same thing we tried with our triple, right? Mm-hmm. The, the triple we had was heavy on those flavors. This is very light idea of being a table beer so you're gonna you're gonna consume most mul- mul- you know multiple of these At the same time Allagash realizes that in most breweries right now are having an issue with rate of sale so you talk about like the beernomics of it real quick is that you want to have someone go in and have two or three beers not just one so there's as, as much as they love the 12 percent beers that are crazy off the charts they also want you to have a four percent beer and have mul- more of them it's pretty simple math uh they're actually doing something i'm very excited about uh your boy Zeke was telling me about it today. Uh, the Curio, which is a uh, bourbon barrel aged triple that they make, which mm-hmm. is um, phenomenal. I never they had it. are what's that? I never had it. Oh man, it's really good. They usually just do them in seven fifties. They're getting ready to release them uh, where it's a four pack, four twelve ounces. And I, he said that I can't remember the uh, I can't remember what the number is now, off the top of my head. Uh, but he, it's like super affordable. When normally, like it's, it's basically the price of the four pack is the equivalent of one seven fifty. Makes sense. Which is awesome. This is what I mean. The same thing. Dogfish Head. I mean, not to get too into the beer world, but Dogfish Head has uh, dropped. They've, they've, they're now covering all the trucking costs from the east to the west coast because they realize they're non-competitive now because their price point is so high. Yeah. Ballast Point has a really high price point, but they're also competitive because they've been here and they they're a western. They've created a following. Dogfish Head is happy to kind of plug and play in these shelves. Yes. And they are outpriced. It's a four pack versus a six pack and all those things. So anyway, um that's exciting for them. I mean, I think Allagash is definitely not represented out here enough. Um this I is agree. A, a, this is like a, a beer geeks like go to East Coast beer, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, but this beer, again, like I think it's really good. And I think it delivers on what it says as far as a table beer. I just don't I don't pick up the hops. I don't know I don't know a, a hoppy Belgian that I can like pick out and be like, Oh yeah, I can totally totally pull out the hop flavors out of it. I just don't I don't draw that from that. Do you? I, I don't get a ton of it here. There is a little bit of the like just a very mild amount. It's a really subtle, like I again, I hate this fucking word, dank. But there is, a, it's really subtle in the nose. I don't really pick it up anywhere else. It is I would a, say it's more of a musty flavor. 
You think right? so? Like where it's, it feels like it's kind of like a, a basement. Like, and it's, that's, you know, usually a negative connotation. But at the same time, like this is just a, like you get the, the hop flavor out of it just so slightly. But it's just enough to be like, man, I, I really wish this, I really wish this, uh, you know, was a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, see, uh, so when I tasted this, because I tasted this earlier today, that's why I brought it. I asked Zeke for another one because I wanted to taste it on the show. I tasted it earlier today, and I tasted it, and then he started to break it down for me. So I didn't necessarily have the like expectation of it being like this hoppy whatever, right? Like He kind of told me what it is. I was really happy with it then. I can see what you're talking about, though. You're expecting this. You see hoppy table beer, you expect a certain thing. Right. I think if it's just, a ta- it, Literally, if it said table beer with hops, yeah, yeah. it would be a completely different... Arrangement. No, right? that makes total sense to me. That makes total sense. So I think that maybe it also makes it feel like an afterthought. So I, I can understand why they didn't do that. Right, and so I think maybe there's a swing and a, a little bit of a swing and a miss there. The beer overall, though, I want to be clear, um, I think is delightful. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's really good. I, I like how I like how dry it is. Um, yeah, you know that's. I'm glad you said that. I was trying to pick up on the like the finish of it. Like, I got a little bit of the spice in there and the dryness. I didn't really pick that out, but the dryness is what it's really a, it really amplifies the spice. It's almost a little cidery, almost ah, like a little bit. Dry I ciders. can see that. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I think this is really tasty. This I can't wait. Or I, I like. I I take a couple sips of this. And I immediately think of like, you know, hey, just finished up working in the yard. It's been warm. You know, I've been doing this and like just the first three pulls of this out of a bottle yeah. out of a glass. Just are. I was getting ready to go to do a tour at Harvard Yard. And I'm going to have one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raking all the leaves because we have four seasons over here. No, but it's uh, it's wicked smart. <laughs> I'm smart. I'm smart. I demand respect. Uh, this is good beer. I mean, it's a slammer, too. That's the best part is it goes down really well. And, and that is not something that Allagash typically makes. You know, they're, they're, they're. Allagash White, though, is, I feel, I, I, me, personally, I think Allagash White is, is a little bit of a slammer. Like, it's. Do it's, you, I was just, so I was just going to ask you that. I don't I, find it to be. But that's I, a mouthfeel thing for me. I think it's a personal preference. But I think it's, 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 okay, so I think it's probably a little more dense of a liquid. It's a little bit more, it's obviously more alcohol. It's obviously more, a little more amplified, like coriander, all those things. The I mean, I can't. The last time I had an Allagash White was probably four years ago, but I mm-hmm. st- distinct flavor. Um, I think it finishes well and finishes strong, and I feel like this is this is their version of you know I don't want to say this because I hate the expression, but this is their session beer. This is an, a lighter version mm-hmm. table beer. They also can also bring it in for a probably a cheaper price point. It's not a typical Allagash price point, so it makes it more no. affordable for the for the customer, for everyone else, for the retailer, everyone else involved. Is it's a it's a big thing. So. Yeah, there. I dig it. I mean, I, I mean, it's, as much as I'm like poo pooing it, I would probably order this if it was on the menu of the next place I went. Perfect. So I'm going to your place next. I was saying, <laughs> about a week, you can. <laughs> um, no, I, I like I like what Allagash brings to the table. Again, uh, you know, the Belgian thing has not always been my favorite, but that Curio just is delicious. Um, the triple I had today was great. This beer, I just I I was most impressed by this beer today. Just how nice and easy it was going down. It was great with lunch. Um, and so I, I'm glad we got a chance to taste it on the show today. It's good. Launch time. <laughs> Daggum. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Zeke, for making that happen. It's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, so anything else? You want anything else about your barbecue reheating? You want to talk about nope. uh, anything? We got, we got it all, baby. Man, that's awesome. Again, please check out our uh, social media. Make sure Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, hit us up on all those. If that's not your thing, then uh, sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com is another one. 
Uh, other than that, enjoy listening. Check out uh, episode 55, the Junior Seau tribute are before us, and hopefully you listen to episode 57. And episodes 1 through 54. Those two. <laughs> Not to mention our numerous specials and episodes and tomfoolery of drunkenness and mac and cheese and oh. frickles and everything else in between. Embrace the night, people. <laughs> Embrace the night. Godspeed. I don't know why I said that. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye.